There you go. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Um, just before I start, I just kind of want to let you in on my mindset as how I've been preparing. Um, you, a few years ago, I expect some people, particularly in the worship team, will probably recognise this to me. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Um, like to the point when I was leading the worship team, if I saw lots of wires, it used to really get to me. And I used to be like, it needs to look perfect. It needs to be this. It needs to be that. Um, I was kind of similar when I used to preach a few years ago. I'd like go through it, I'd go record myself, and I'd time myself, and I'd go through absolutely everything. But in kind of recent years, the kind of journey God's taken me on, and just awareness of the Spirit doing stuff in my life, I've become a bit more deliberately not deliberate with stuff. And um, I'm kind of, I just hold things a bit more lightly, and not in a disrespectful kind of, I don't really care, more in a kind of way of, I feel this, but, you know, spirit break in and do something at any time. And really, actually, even yesterday, I was going through what I've got for today. I text Sam saying, felt good. Then went through it again, and I started to doubt it and go, oh, what am I doing? And I was like, actually, put it away. God's been speaking to you over the past few weeks. You know that. Um, and just let's just see what the spirit wants to do tomorrow. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, kind of a, what served as a really good reminder of that for me was on Friday, I went with a, a group from... Well, a group from various different churches, Tombridge Wells, to serve in a worship band. Um, and again, kind of this kind of perfectionist kind of mentality came out in me. There I am playing the drums that evening, my, my, my best instrument, you know, my number one instrument. Um, but my word, I was really nervous because I looked at the set list of 15 songs and I knew two of them. And I was like, well, if you ask me to count in here, which is a drummer's job, you know, start with song one, two, three, four, I really hope it's in four. Um, you know, <laughs> not that there's many worship songs that are like prog rock and in, in, interesting time features for you music geeks out there. Um, but yeah, no, I was just like, what on earth? Oh, I feel really nervous. And then we all, we all stopped after sound check, prayed. And someone said, Father God, we thank you, you're here. And I was just like, that's what it's about. And there's just real sense of the spirit in that room. And kind of my heart is that actually that you'll kind of just know the spirit speaking to you this morning. Um, if I say things that aren't helpful, that actually the spirit will just let them just fall away. The things that are helpful, that he'll take them and will do something in your heart. So that's me. That's not it. <laughs> but anyway, as Sam shared with us last week, this is our new series. It's Church Matters. It's things that are in church, church matters, but also things that really matter. They matter to the church. These things have an effect on how the church kind of grows, how the church lives, how it works as a body of people. Sam said the church is the very centre of God's plan. It's his new community. And it's not just Jesus' hobby, the church. He was, is, and always will be totally committed to the church. Sam said the church is not a club. It's not a support group that we join if we're having a tough time. We're saved by faith. And we join with all those that have been saved by Jesus. Isn't that good? Isn't that good to know? This morning, as we come to worship, we're coming not with just those in relational mission. We're coming with those across the town that are saved. We're coming with those across the country. We're also joining... I heard the worship band do this song earlier. It says um, something about as earth joins with heaven's song. Spoiler alert if we do that one later. But... Um, Earth joins with heaven's song. There's something about when we come together as the church, we're joining with something far bigger than our group here in Faversham. Amen indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got two kind of main scriptures for you uh, today that we're going to be going through. Um, I'm going to be using Galatians 3, um, what verse, I can't remember, and then Ephesians 2. 
So I'm going to, while you're turning, let's turn to the Ephesians one first, because I'm going to use that to start with. So I'm in Ephesians 2, I'm reading from verse 11, which we should have on the screen here. So it says this. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you at that time were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far, who were far off, sorry, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and the saint, with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him... In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Okay. There you go. That's the Spirit doing stuff. Um, so, as I've said and Sam said, I'm looking at the whole idea of being one new man in Christ. What does it look like for us here to be part of this community, the community to whom Jesus is committed to? What does that look like? Now, for me, being in Christ, when I think about being in Christ, it's all about your identity. Now, our culture that we live in takes a, puts a massive emphasis on the importance of your identity. And uh, there are a lot of things they might say is where you should take your identity from. They tell you what makes you are, are things such as your career, maybe your family, your hobbies, maybe your polit political views, how you stand socially, what your friends think of you, how many friends you've got, the music you like, the music you dislike. Or maybe there's something off their list they're missing. Maybe it's Jesus, where you stand with Jesus. And whatever we find ourselves doing as a career, whatever music we find ourselves listening to, whatever our views are that we want to take, or things that we want to take our identity in, like myself, lots of people go, oh, it's James, he's a musician, he's a music teacher. I don't know if you remember last time I spoke about music, I shared about my work biography, it's on the work website, and I've written in there that I take a large part of my identity from music, but I was really clear about it, it's a part. I can't be as explicit on the work website and say, but I'm a Christian, <laughs> because I have to be completely impartial. Like, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to. Like, when we've done the make lunch things and we've had work come in and get involved, I've, it's really cool when I'm there with like, all the church guys talking about the church and like, it's really cool how God's doing stuff through this. And then like, the bosses walk in and all I can actually talk about with when the children are there, actually, it's really nice to give back to the community, isn't it? You know, there's a real difference. But actually, my identity is in Jesus. Let's just uh, look at part of that scripture in Ephesians. It says that we were separated from Christ 
alienated from the Commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, and having no hope without God in the world. Now, like I say, it's not wrong for us to take identity in other things. It's perfectly normal for us to take identity in other things. It's, Sam is known as being Sam, who is tall. He wears hats. He plays cricket. He has geckos. He is, I almost said wife, husband to Steph. <laughs> he is wife. Um, he has two children, Eva and Isaac, but also Sam is an elder, yes, but Sam is a son of God. Before all of that, Sam is a son of God. Sorry for picking on you, mate, but you're, you're down the front. So. The, the thing that strikes me about why it's more important, or there's many reasons why, yeah. The thing that strikes me about why it's most important that we take our identity in Jesus. Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, let's start with the fact that actually all these other things have a lifespan. Okay, so careers go to retirement. Hobbies, you get bored of, or you master the guitar, or you master building amazing cakes, and you're kind of like, where do I go from now? You become a chess champion, and you've beaten all the champions. Who do you take on next? Yet, how we answer, and where we, if we take our identity in Jesus, the fact we want to do that is because Jesus has inter- eternal importance. Yeah, these, all these other things we might take our identity in will fade away, and yet one thing will be left, and that will be Jesus. You know, John 3, 16, everyone seems to know it. It talks, if Hugh chucks it up, it talks about how God so loved the world. And then verse 17 says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. That's actually for me, I like that even more than 16, to be honest. Because I see lots of examples of God loving, and this is a good example, but the fact that actually says that he didn't come to condemn, but to save. The implication of that verse being that we needed saving. Now, when, when I uh, was preparing for this preach um, a few weeks ago, I was just driving around, just kind of thinking on the Ephesians kind of thing. And just, I kind of, in my mind, just thought about, what are all these things that are coming out? So the things that came out for me were the fact that, at one time, we were without God. We were strangers. We were alienated. And we were separated. And we had no hope. But Jesus... I think it even says that, doesn't it? It says, but Jesus. And there's that change. That but moment happens. Jesus made a change. Without Jesus, we're on a one-way path. We're on a path to death. And you're like, yeah, James, we all die. We do. But I'm talking about what the Bible talks about, about death. I'm talking about separation from God. As that verse says, he didn't come to condemn, but he came to save us. So really, for me, kind of when we talk about being one in Christ, there's a bit of a question for you this morning. It's one in Christ. Are you in? Or not? It is a question like that. Now Sam sent me a few notes from where he was doing his lead training um, a couple of years ago. And some of it was really, really helpful. Some of it went over my head 
and was really, really complicated. But I've taken out a few things that I found really helpful. And um, this particular part, this uh, Marcus Tut, who wrote these notes, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah. Cool. I was trying to make out from what sounds to me. Yeah, um, he, he talked about how there were divisions in the temples. And he talks about how the temples had a number of courts with divisions. There, were, there was um, courts for the priests, courts for the Israelites, courts for the women, courts for the Gentiles. And he says that you trespassed at your own peril. But God's plan was that these barriers are all going to be destroyed. You know, earlier Joy said that actually men can still come to a coffee mornings. Well, in Christ, men and women can go to coffee mornings. <laughs> um, but he planned for these all to be destroyed. He planned to make one new man. This whole passage is about how Jesus broke down these barriers. Because in Jesus, all these kind of tribal differences become irrelevant. If we jump through to Galatians 3, or jump back rather to Galatians 3. And I'm going to read verses 26 and 28. It says this. For in Christ Jesus... You are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptised into Christ and have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, because as Paul said in Ephesians, we were aliens to all of this. But then Jesus unites us. I just want to kind of like do a little exercise. Actually, I was um, talking to a friend on Friday night when I was at this worship thing, saying, oh, I'm preaching on Sunday, and, uh, you know, to talk about the scriptures. And he went, have you ever done this thing where you read your scripture? So, Hugh, if you want to keep that Galatians up, that'd be really cool. He says, have you ever done a thing where you put emphasis on different words as you go through it and see what that draws out for you? So, we're going to do that now. So, it starts with, for in Christ. Yeah? In. Not just observing, not looking, he's over there, what's he doing? It's in. You're right, when you're in, when you're amongst him. You're, com- you're committed, you're part of it, you're the same, you're totally immersed, you're taken up by it. And it goes on, for in Christ Jesus, you are all. Yeah, so if you're in Christ Jesus, all of you are part of this. Everybody, it's not just a few. If you're committed to Jesus, if you're in Jesus, everything is for you. You are no longer uh, alien. You are no longer separated from this. You are part of it as much as the next person. We are in this together. We are one. And it goes on. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. So we know that if you're in, you're part of it. It's all of you together. What you are is you are sons of God. Yeah, you've been adopted into this family. And as Sam was saying about God is a good father. And he is your father. We are now heirs with Jesus. We're loved. We're part of the family. And it carries on. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. And this, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. This scripture here is literally saying to us, if you're in Jesus, none of that matters. Nothing else matters. 
This is why I was saying earlier, being in Jesus is the most important thing that we can take our identity from because nothing else matters. And I'm not, again, I'm not being, so careers don't matter, family don't matter. Of course they do. But in comparison to Jesus, they don't. It's the most important thing. So it finishes as well. You are all one in Christ Jesus. We're together. We are on that mission together. We're part of the family. We're saved through Jesus together. Amen indeed. And the funny thing was, like, for me as well, I learned just about, I don't know if you found that helpful, just putting emphasis on the words, but I did, it found it, it seemed to really draw out the themes really quickly for me. And I learned to do that on Friday when I was sat in a car driving back from Tunbridge Wells with a group of people from other churches who I don't really socialise with a great deal, you know. I'm only doing this because I know um, what the guy who's in charge of it, I teach his daughter, so it's kind of like a new connection there where... And he's like, oh, do you want to come and play in a worship band? And then the other guys are sort of vaguely known as being part of a worship team. So I don't really know them, but I'm there with them because we're one in Christ together. Mm. Yeah? That's what took me across there was the fact that we all know Jesus. We are all one in Christ. And actually, even within that car, you've got people that used to be in churches together and some that still are. And there are different viewpoints on how they feel church should be. But you know what? We kind of leave that to the side and go, actually, we've joined together to worship God tonight because we are united by this one amazing thing, and that's Jesus. You see, as I've said just now, when we're in Jesus, all these other things in comparison are pretty insignificant. Okay? I know different churches have different styles and different things the way they want to do it. You know what, the other week we went down to um, Beacon, to Herne Bay, and I ended up sitting down the front. I think I got stitched up by Steve Cross. He went to me, oh, we're sat at the back, let's go up to the front. So I raised it on down, and then he sat down with Tracy, and there's like no seats for me. So I'd sit right on the front row. I had all these kids running around going crazy, which was awesome. Um, you had someone come up to give a word, and John did a drum roll as they came up. To... For me, it's so much going on. It's like when I'm teaching in lessons, and all the kids are talking, and there's so much going on. Grumpy James comes out so quickly. Right, what are we doing? You know, low tones, yeah, little three tones of voice to sort the children out. I sit down, you know, I get them to quiet, quiet down. And I was really feeling this kind of on edge, ah, this doesn't suit me. And I was struggling, but then actually we started singing. We started worshipping God. And even though I didn't know some of the songs, the truth in what we were singing spoke to me. And I said, the reason why we have different churches is so that people can go and kind of express their worship in a way that does suit them, yeah? But actually, to go and join with other people, it's great. It was fine. Because actually what united me, and the reason why I really enjoyed being there once I got beyond that, was because I, I looked beyond my own personal preference and went, why am I here? Why have I done that trip down the Fanet Way to worship God? Steve turned to me that morning when church was cancelled and went, where should we worship this morning? And that should have been my viewpoint when I got there. I've come here to worship, not it's different to what we do. You know, I dare say people come into fellowship here and go, this is odd. If my, if my extended family came to church now, they'd think, crikey, they pray out loud. This is weird. You know, it would just be strange to them. But actually, what unites us, whether we pray out loud, whether we're raucous and crazy, is Jesus. None of that's in my notes. <laughs> so, I just want to encourage us to have a little look around the room. Take it in. 
<laughs> We're all a bit different, aren't we? All very different. Some tall, some short. Different hair amounts, colours. You know, we've, we've all got different backgrounds. Some of us have been in Kent all our lives. Some of us have moved to Kent. Some of us have moved away, come back. Some of us didn't grow up in this country, weren't born in this country. Some of us are highly educated. Some of us, like me, are a complete joker and just completely messed up his education, but by God's grace has got a really good job. <laughs> Woo, indeed. Part of your story as well, Chet, because we're in this together. <laughs> um, but whatever we do, and whoever we are, I love looking around. Like Earlier, I was just stood at the back, and I started crying, just because I was looking, and I was just like, this church is very... It's not hugely diverse, but it's diverse as well, you know. You might look and go, we're not, we're not that diverse. We're all kind of quite middle class. No, we're a very diverse church. You know, if you know people's stories, we all come from different places. And it's just a kind of story of God's goodness to us. It's Amen. a story of his grace to us. Amen. Yeah. And actually, our differences speak of God's amazing creation. What makes us tick are things that kind of God's put in us. You know, it's different for each one of us. That's because God's massively more vast than we can understand, and he's put all these things in us. Now, <clears throat> when Sam sent me some of these notes, there was something that I found pretty, pretty kind of, not mind-blowing, but amazing, I suppose. Um, got a question. Did you know that it was always God's plan for his church to look a bit random like this? Did you know that? Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't, Lizzie. Thank you. Solidarity. Good. Nice one. Um, so, even growing up in church, as myself, you know, I've, I've always been in and around church, you know, since I was born, mum and dad took me. I didn't even realise this. And you probably think, oh, John Sue didn't teach him well. Well, um, did you know, like I say, that this was God's plan? Because the angel of the Lord even said to Abraham in Gen- Genesis, Genesis that your offspring shall be all the nation. In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Which is, again, is then actually a reference later on in that Galatian scripture that we're talking about. And then I saw this quote from uh, John Peepee's book, who's one of like, the New Frontiers leaders in Africa somewhere. I don't know which country. Um, but he, he wrote, wrote a book called God's New Tribe, which um, was pretty cool. Um, this, little, this little quote I've got from it. He says, he's talking about Abraham here. He says, Abraham was called out from among his people in order that a new people might be formed through his union with God through faith. Abraham severed the links with his old tribe, and thereafter we never hear Abraham being referred to as Abraham the Urian or Abraham the Chaldean. His identity was now well and truly in God, and he gained that enviable title of God's friend. And actually for us as believers, we've been called... Those of us that are in Christ, we're called into that same family. Yeah? We're in the same family as Abraham. The family that scripture talks about in all the nations being blessed. We are in that same family. And kind of furthermore, to reinforce the fact that Jesus' church was always going to be a bit random and all over the place and full of all sorts of people. You've got this great commission in Matthew's Gospel where he tells disciples, make disciples of all nations. You know, you could look around and think, oh, no, are you sure he said that? No, he definitely did. You know, because you can look at our church and think, oh, we're all quite similar. If you look a bit deeper, we're not. We're all different. God's made us that way. 
and he said, disciples of all nations. I remember many years ago, um, when the church used to do the carnival, like kind of my, my, my uh, childhood kind of revolved around a church cycle of Stonely, Carnival, Prep for Stonely, Prep for Carnival, Stonely, Carnival, <laughs> Prep for Stonely. Because dad, dad coordinated both of them. And um, I don't know how many people remember me, show of hands, who remembers us dressing up as all sorts? Yeah. Because all sorts. Yeah. Awesome. I still remember to this day Pete Bean being dressed as Bertie Bassett, wandering down, like, you know, singing along a praise and worship down the middle of the high street. And the whole thing, you've got all these amazing floats, and then there's us as all sorts. I've got a big cardboard box on with orange and then a black stripe and then an orange stripe. I'm walking along, you know. And we've got music playing, worship music playing. We're handing out little tracks and testing these and stuff. And our literally our kind of like, it would be a hashtag these days, wouldn't it? But our slogan was, Jesus loves all sorts. He does. All sorts. He has called all sorts to be part of his family. Yeah. Now, when it comes to being the church and being one in Christ, I said earlier that I feel that actually how we respond to Jesus is the most important thing. And although we're all different and we've all come from different places and on different journeys, the reality really is kind of being in Christ isn't really a case of where have you come from? Although it is, because we're saved into this, but it's, it's more a case of where are you going? You're ever in Christ and you, you know where you're going, you've got that assurance, ultimately, or you're not. It's all about Jesus. All of this that we do is about Jesus. It's about his blood. It's about his sacrifice that he made for us through that. It's about how, through him, we can now know God. And if you want to kind of strip it back to the bare essentials of everything, ultimately we are all coming from the same place. We're all coming before God in the same place in that we are all coming in a sinful state. A place of where fallen creation. That path that we're on because of sin is a path to separation from God. And the kind of message of Jesus actually is a bit of a kind of juxtaposition, I think is the correct word. Because um, on one, one hand, he's coming along saying, whoever believes in me, he's bringing unity, whoever believes in me. He's not saying a few, he's saying whoever believes in me. But also, he's saying, but no one comes to the Father except through me. So, he wants to bring unity, but at the same time, he's saying there is a line, there is a cost there. Okay, so there's unity and yet division. I remember when I first uh, did communion like this, and I had the bread and wine up here for, for the first time in years, we did everyone coming up to receive it. This is when, like, um, as kind of leadership team, we were doing various different kind of things, and just seeing how it goes. I got really kind of like into doing communion. <laughs> Can you get into doing communion? I don't know. I did. But I was, I was, it was something I was really passionate about doing. And as a team, we kind of sought feedback of those kind of... Uh, of viewpoints of people that we've really, really valued, I guess. Kind of, kind of seeing, how did these things work? When we were trying new things, how did it work? And some of the feedback we got when it came here was, oh, actually, maybe it's not that comfortable for a visitor, for someone who doesn't know Jesus. It's not comfortable when they see everyone filter down the front, 
Because we're not like giving out a blessing, although we could do. You know, we could we could pray for someone if they don't know Jesus. They're not coming down to the front to receive. Maybe they don't feel that comfortable. Maybe they don't feel that comfortable being left in their chair. It's a bit more exposing than just letting the basket go past. And you know, definitely there's value in that. Of course there is, because we want people to feel comfortable. We want them to feel accepted and loved in this church. Of course we do. There's a scripture I'm going to read reference later on. Jesus says that they would know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. So we want to show love. But also at the same time, I was like, actually, is a bit of uncomfortableness a bad thing or is it a good thing? Maybe actually it kind of speaks of actually that cost, that decision you've got to make. If you want to be part of this, there's a decision you've got to make. You've kind of got to cross over and accept Jesus. So actually, if you're sat feeling a bit awkward because you've not come forward, maybe it gets you thinking, maybe that's a good thing. So I say, this is where it's really, for me, it's a cost of a case of being one in Christ. Are you in or are you out? Now, I know a lot of us would agree when I say that coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour is the most important thing you will ever do. It's more important than who you decide to marry. It's more important than what career path you take. It's more important than what car you drive. It's more important than what, how you vote. It's really important because of the fact that actually without Jesus you're going to be separated from God forever. You know, I spend a lot of time praying for my friends and my family who don't know Jesus. one friend who I spend so much time with and I pray for him so much and he's around church, he sees how church is and his reply is I see what it costs you guys he says I see how many evenings you give up I see your Sunday mornings are taken up and I say to him but don't you see that we do it because we love God because we've been called into this, it's something undeniable. He says, but I see what it's costing you. Now, I was talking to one of his relatives a while ago. And they said, well, it's going to end up costing a lot more later, isn't it? It's really hard to hear. He might think it costs him a lot now. It might think that he can't do what he wants to do now, socially, or about the house or whatever. But ultimately, it's going to cost him far greater. And that really weighs heavy with me. Because I love him. He's my friend. And I'm sure, even as I'm saying this, you're probably thinking there are a lot of people that you know, that you long the same for, for them to come to know Jesus. It's really hard to hear. But the fact of it is that it's only through Jesus that we can come to God. No other way. He even says it himself. You have to come through him. And without him, we're going to die. Without him, my friend's going to die. It says that the wages of sin are death. I don't want that. But yet, for those of us that 
are in Christ. <laughs> what a difference it is. We can have confidence. You know, I love it when... That's, no, I don't love it. We have, you have funerals, you have funeral services. And I was about to say, I love funeral services. I don't. <laughs> but what I do love is when uh, you see sometimes the order of service. And you've got a little picture of the person on the front. And what I love it is when you see things in it, like, on the front, like, Mr. Smith, blah, 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 called home to glory. Alive in Christ. How good is that? The confidence, because they are in Jesus, to say, I'm alive in Christ. You know, I, I would love it to be able to say, when people say to me, oh, sorry for your loss. He's not lost. She's not lost. I know where they are. I'm going to see them. Um... When my grandfather died, like my mother, my mother's side, uh, they've always been to church. We went to a big service when my grandfather moved from Roman Catholic to C of E and all this kind of thing. And, uh, but yet, yeah, church is not something we talk about. Faith is not something we talk about. We used to say grace as we gathered as a family over dinner, but we don't really talk about it beyond that. And it was really strange. Mum prayed when he was ill, and my grandmother said, said to her, we pray in our heads here. It's this really strange kind of thing, concept for us. It's like, what is it? And we're all kind of like, are they saved? Is a question we've had. Are they saved or are they of the generation where going to church was a bit more of a thing to do? And so that's why they've done it. When my grandfather died, uh, we had his funeral. Um, I was quite emotional, as you can probably imagine. Um, and yeah, at the crematorium, there's the flowers there. My mum went, go, go on, go and see the flowers. You, you grandchildren have done some flowers. I was like... No, you know, I don't want to see them. I've just been bawling my eyes out for two hours. I'd rather just go away. And she's like, no, go and see them. So my brother grabbed my hand, which was odd because he doesn't do that. He's poor because he's not affectionate. And he grabbed me, gra- dragged me over. And uh, I looked down. I might have even shared this with you before. I don't know. little note from my grandma on her flowers to, to my grandfather. To my dearest, whatever she would have called him, probably Thomas or something, or Vivian, I don't know. Um, we will see each other again. <laughs> we will see each other again. The confidence, because they know Jesus. We will see each other again. We are one in Christ. Now, that, this Ephesians passage that we've been looking at talks about how through the cross and through his sacrifice, Jesus has killed hostility. He's brought us peace and made us members of the household of God. And if you've not really got it yet so far, my one point, because you know in my sermons I have one point, and I just tell you it about four different ways or three different ways, is that actually we look beyond the cultural, the physical, the financial, whatever it might be that you want to take your identity in. We look beyond that. All the things that the world's going to tell us are important. And we look to Jesus. Because it's Jesus that unites us. To be honest, if you were all in a church with people that were similar or the same, my church would probably start with us listening to Africa by Toto before, we, before the meeting starts. But that's because I love it. Okay? That would be some cool atmospheric music. But we don't. We get... Little suggestion, Sam. One for you and Mike to consider, prayerfully. Um, no, serious, seriously. We don't, we don't do that. It's because it's Jesus that unites us. Yeah, as it says as well, in Jesus there is no Jew, no Gentile, no slave or free, male or female. There's one new man. We're united by our love for Jesus and for his, by his love for us. 
I say we're all different. We're not going to get it right all the time. Next week, who's preaching next week, Sam? Me. Sam's preaching on the church needing us. And I'm expecting Sam's probably going to talk a bit about how actually, you know, we are different. We've got different roles to play. And sometimes we, we will clash because we're different. But it doesn't matter. Because actually it's Jesus that unites us. If we were all administrators, it'd be great. Everything would be done to the clockwork. But where would be the room for the spirit? I'm not saying that you can't be spiritual and be an administrator. I'm kind of blowing it up, like, you know, being very literal. And if we were all, like, really spiritual, what time would it start? If we were all just a bit like, whoa, well, just wait for the spirit to prompt me. You need different people and all sorts in the church. And then, kind of finally, I'm getting towards the end, I know. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's... I've got a scripture here in my thing, but I've not got the reference. Um, It's Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And what really excites me about that scripture is the fact that it says Jesus is the centre. It's all about Jesus. If we can keep Jesus as our focus, the fact that we've come to worship Jesus. As I said, when we went down to Herbay, it was different. But as soon as I focused on Jesus, it all made sense. We can be built together into a dwelling place for God. And that's exciting. Because when God turns up and God's there, exciting things happen. I love it when God speaks. You know, you hear me say it when I'm leading worship. If you've got something that God's saying to you, come and bring it, because I love it. I don't say that because it sounds cool. If anything, it sounds a bit weird to say I love it, but I do love it. I love it when God speaks. And I really want us to be a church that keeps Jesus at the centre and a place where we're being built together by God, or by the Spirit, for a dwelling place of God. How awesome would that be? Yeah. Yeah. Now, when Sam sent out a little structure for these series, he... um, He kind of posed a couple of questions for this week, and one of them was, uh, how can we express being one new man, being one in Christ in our local church? What does it mean for our identity in Christ to override our tribal identity? Now, for me, that's a bit of an onion of a question. There's tons of layers you could go into, but I'm going to be very typical of me and strip it back and say, it starts in one place. It starts with Jesus. How do we express one new man here in church? Well, first of all, we start by loving Jesus. You remember our church vision? It says we are a church who love Jesus. When that vision was kind of kind of bounced around as we were kind of like looking at what God was saying and kind of trying to figure out how it should sound so it was memorable, the, the whole thing behind being a church who loved Jesus, well, if you're not a church who loved Jesus, what are you? A group of people that gather together. If you're not a church who love Jesus, what are we? We must be a church who love Jesus before anything else. I say in John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus said this. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let us love Jesus, let us love one another, that those around us might know. Let us express being one in Christ by our love for one another. 
I just want to leave us just thinking upon this before, before we enter some worship again. Our class, our education, our race, our background, politics, music, sports teams, career, families, health, wealth, and that never-ending list of what society tells us important. When it comes to our last day here on the earth, they won't matter. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust can steal and where thieves break in and steal. Sorry, moth and rust can destroy, they don't steal. Thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heavens where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Treasure Jesus and your heart will be with him. So, we were far off. We had no hope without God, but Jesus. Let's keep Jesus at the centre, personally, corporately, as a church, as a family. He's the reason we're here. He's the reason that we gather each week. He's the reason that we sing. And also, in a moment, he's the reason why we're going to break bread. To remember what it is that he did for us on that cross. Ian, do you and the team want to come back up?